Lords of Limited is proud to be brought to you in part by StarCityGames.com. Not only are they the home of the top content and coverage on the web, they're also the world's largest independent retailer for Magic the Gathering singles and supplies. For more information, visit StarCityGames.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line, fresh off of seeing Hamilton this weekend, is Ethan Sachs. Ben, the hype is true. Hamilton was fantastic. Not only is the music great, it's just like so well directed. I, it just it made me really excited about theater, which I haven't feel like I haven't felt like that in a while. So it was a really, really cool experience. I was happy to have gotten that in. Yeah, you got to get those voice lessons going so you can get in Hamilton. I know. I know. Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> How's your weekend? Is brutal. I was at the music education conference. I couldn't stream. I drove home in nine hours at 20 to 30 miles per hour in a snowstorm with a mini bus full of children. But today was great because I got home and I streamed and jammed some Ravnica Legion's drafts and nothing is better than that. Sweet. Well, let's check in on that trophy leaderboard. It's the start of a new format. It is. So you and I both had the privilege to play in the Ravnica Allegiance early access event on MTG Arena. So we both got fully stocked accounts on MTG Arena. Thanks to Watsy for that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we jammed some sealed. So I did five sealeds on Arena. I went 24 and 12. Uh, had two trophies and a 67% win rate. Yeah, I did a bunch of sealed on Wednesday and then also did some on Thursday as well before draft went live on Friday on MTGO. So I did 11 total sealed events for a 41 and 32 game record. Only one quote unquote trophy for a 56% win rate. And if we move over to draft, I jammed a bunch of drafts today and I know you've been jamming draft as well. So I've got eight drafts under my belt. Uh, 16 and 7 overall record, two trophies, and a 70% win rate. And we should qualify that all of our drafts, I think, have been on Magic Online. Yes, that is correct. So I also have eight drafts. My record is not great. 13 and 11, no trophies, 54% win rate. I, I do feel like I've got a good handle on things. I just feel like maybe I've been coming up on a bad side of variance or whatever. But I also think uh, maybe our conversation today might help illuminate some stuff for me. But again, I, I feel like I've, I've got a good handle on things. So I'm not sure uh, what's going on with my win rate here. Yeah, it feels like we've talked and we're on pretty much the same page. So I think just jamming drafts, it really feels like we've got a handle on what cards are good in the format. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about that with you. Yeah, so I think we should probably just make a point here that you and I are going to be drafting on magic online for i think the first few weeks at least that's my plan i'm probably doing like three to four weeks there i want to get a sense of what people are valuing before i figure out drafting against bots especially like going back and drafting rivals of ixalan on arena was super fun but i felt like it was a new thing to learn like i felt like i knew the format i understood how to draft it and then i had to learn about what the bots were doing and I don't want to have to worry about that initially in learning this format. Yeah, I'll probably be playing a little bit of Arena, but I, most of my drafting is going to be done on Magic Online because I was playing them today and I'd been playing a lot of Arena and Best of One and I was sort of getting used to Best of One. And then I went back to Magic Online drafting today and playing Best of Three was just like such a breath of fresh air and without crafted hands. It felt like you got rewarded more for drafting a good deck, a good mana base. Um, it was just a nice change of pace. So yeah, I'm going to be doing a lot of drafts on MTGO as well. Well, they have best of three on Arena as well, right? Yeah, but it's, yeah, I guess they do. I don't know. MTGO is great. (laughs) It's (laughs) not going anywhere. We're just a couple old timers. Um, (laughs) All right. So we are going to try and jam as much information as we have about the format in our few days of drafting into the next hour. But before we get into any of that, we have to talk about the Patreon, Ben. Patreon.com slash Lords of Limited, where you can give back to the show if you so choose. The show will always be free, but if you feel like we're helping you out in your pre-release, maybe you, you swept 
the sealed event at midnight on Friday or anything like that, or you're just grinding on Arena or MTGO and, and the show's giving you some value and you want to throw some of that value back towards the show, we always appreciate it. Um, there's a lot of perks for being a patron at many different levels. All patrons get access to the Lords of Limited Discord. That is the place to be to talk about all things limited, especially at the start of a new format. I know I say that every time a new set comes around, but it's because it's true. You know, Ben and I are jamming a ton of drafts, but we've got hundreds of people in this Discord who are also jamming drafts, who are jamming their pre-release events, they're jamming their FNMs, all that stuff. And we're just getting all that information into the, the trophy hype. We're seeing what decks are 3 owing. We're seeing how people are drafting, getting a lot of people's opinions on different picks, different builds. All that stuff is really, really invaluable i think um so uh really highly recommend checking out the discord and the patreon is a way to do that and we of course want to welcome each and every new member to the patreon on the show so this week we've got a whole mess of people to welcome we'd like to thank ori patrick anthony luis thomas pierce carson marcus carson mark ben miles brandon sam chris christopher and jevin thank you thank you thank you we really appreciate your support yeah, cannot say thank you enough. The three best channels in the Discord at the start of the format, number one, I think is Trophy Hype, because you just get to see the decks in very clear form that are good enough to 3-0 and start to see what sort of cards appear frequently in those pictures. Number two, I think RNA card evaluation. The conversations that go on in that channel are awesome, and I frequently find myself valuing cards more or less based on what's going on there. And I think third is strategy discussions. And if you just want to post a deck and get a bunch of feedback in a hurry, that's the place to do it. Well, moving right into the show, Ben, I think uh, we should start things off with a little roundtable. It's been a while since we've had some seats at a roundtable. It has. Are you ready to take a seat? I am. Yes, please. All right. So this is one of my early drafts here. Uh, my very first draft didn't get recorded because MTGO was unchecked on my laptop. This is like number two or three, I think. Yeah, important safety tip. It has happened to me every time I've logged back into Magic Online that it has unchecked that box that saves the draft logs. So for people out there who are still drafting on Magic Online, when you sign in, I would just go and make sure that that box is checked. So pretty interesting pack one, pick one here. There's several cards in contention. Uh, there's Summary Judgment, one in a white, instant, deals three damage target tap creature. Addendum, if you catch it during your main phase, it deals five damage instead. Savage Smash, one green red for the sorcery. Target creature you control gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. It fights target creature you don't control. Immolation Shaman is your rare, one in a red for the one three. Whenever an opponent activates ability of an artifact, creature, or land that isn't a mana ability, Immolation Shaman deals one damage to that player and also has the activated ability three red red gets plus three plus three and menace until end of turn there's a bull rack clan crusher three green red for the four four that can tap to remove a plus one plus one counter from a creature you control to deal two damage to any target and also another sweet uncommon angelic exaltation three and a white for the enchantment whenever a creature you control attacks alone it gets plus x plus x until end of turn where x is the number of creatures you control we're going to be talking about uh a lot of the enchantments in the format a little later because we think it's sort of a, a big piece of the puzzle to this set. But uh, I don't want to talk about Angelic Exaltation here. I think it's a strong card. I'm not really willing to first pick it. I'm not, I don't think, but that could be wrong. This kind of feels like an easy Immolation Shaman to me. Um, this is the the rare, the two mana one three. Now, I'm not a huge fan of one threes, but I think this card just does enough good stuff. So there's not a lot of good two drops in this format. So when I see a two drop that I'm excited about, it feels like it's even more valuable. And this one is, you know, good on turn two as a blocker against two twos or two ones. It's good on turn 10 when you have mana to sink into it because it can become a, a threat late in the game. And it also has a chunk of text that basically says destroy target Simic player, which I found to be quite relevant depending on which side of the, the 
emulation shaman I'm sitting on. Um, but just being able to turn all the adapt abilities or guild mage abilities into ping you, even sacking lockets, that's another another ping ability. So this can get some incidental damage as well. I've liked Immolation Shaman quite a bit. Yeah, I think going back in time, I would actually take Angelic Exaltation here now. I'm pretty high on that card at the moment, and I'm pretty high on Orzov. Immolation Shaman's been fine, but it's not been crazy impressive. Five mana is a lot to activate it. I've just found that there's not much time to activate it in draft. So moving on to pack one, pick two, see the following cards as options. There's another Savage Smash. That's the plus two, plus two in fight. There's a Gateway Sneak, two in a blue, for a 1-3, whenever a gate enters the battlefield under your control, gateway sneak can't be blocked this turn. And whenever it deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. Gatebreaker Ram, this card has been a house. Yeah. Two and a green for a 2-2. Two, two. Gatebreaker Ram gets plus one, plus one for each gate you control. As long as you control two or more gates, it has vigilance and trample. And there's a blade juggler. Four and a black for the 3-2. When it ETBs, it deals one damage to you and you draw a card and has a spectacle cost of two and a black. Yeah, so those are four really strong cards. There's a couple things that go pretty well with Immolation Shaman. I mean, there's a Savage Smash if we want to go in Gruul and the Blade Juggler if we want to go to Rakdos. I still think I'd want to be on like what's the most powerful card of this pack. And I think it's Gatebreaker Ram. And like that's early enough to grab that and start maybe building towards a gate deck. It's tough for me to know which between the two gate payoffs is better. But I think the gate decks being like base green is probably more where you want to be at just because you get access to open the gates. But I'm not sure. But I think I would take Gatebreaker Ram here. Yeah, with an Immolation Shaman in my pile, I think I would also be on Gatebreaker Ram now. Early on in the format, I was thinking Gatebreaker Ram wasn't something you wanted to play the gate deck for, and that's since changed, and I do think it is a card that you want to put a lot of gates in your deck for and is worth taking early and building around, Yeah, especially because you're likely to get other gate payoffs as well, and they're just all very good. Uh, I ended up taking Blade Juggler because I thought it was the most flexible pick with Immolation Shaman. It let me play Rakdos. I'd be happy with Blade Juggler there. I'd also be happy pivoting off Immolation Shaman and playing Orzov. I've really been trying to put myself in position to draft Orzov, if at all possible. Yeah, I mean, no secret here. I think Orzov is the best guild. Yep, that's where I'm at as well. Moving on to pack one, pick three. See the following cards as options. There's a Spire Mangler, two and a black for a 2-1 flash flying. When it ETBs, target creature with flying you control gets plus two plus O until end of turn. There's a Gate Colossus, eight mana for an 8-8. Costs one less to cast for each gate you control. Can't be blocked by creatures with power two or less. That's super relevant text. And whenever a gate enters the battlefield under your control, you may put Gate Colossus from your graveyard on top of your library. There's also a Final Payment, white black for an instant. Destroy target creature as an additional cost to cast it. Pay five life or sacrifice a creature or enchantment. So I see two options here. One is Gate Colossus to follow up on Gatebreaker Ram and really like go all in on the gates. And the other option is Final Payment because that card is busted good. Yeah, I don't think you can really go wrong with either one of those picks. I think having Gatebreaker Ram in your pile already, I think Gate Colossus goes up a fair amount in value. And then I think I would just be trying to draft the gate deck. Yeah, I think so too. That seems pretty sweet. All right, that's a good place to wrap it up there. Sweet. So uh, before we get into the nitty gritty of some card specifics, and we've got a lot of specific cards we want to talk about, I think taking a look at what we feel about this format as a whole, both draft and sealed, is probably a good place to start. So a question we like to ask ourselves is whether or not this is a prince or a pauper format. So is is it a format ruled by the rares and mythics? Or is it a format ruled by the commons and uncommons? I'm on a hard prince stance for this format. I've been playing so many games where it feels like, yeah, we're playing magic. And then all of a sudden, one card just totally warps the game, whether it's mass manipulation, ethereal absolution. There are just some absolutely nutty rares that are hard to interact with sometimes without enchantment removal. Yeah, I agree completely. I think that also is paired with the fact that a lot of the commons feel weak or that there's a pretty big delta between 
the good commons and then the next tier of commons. Especially in monocolored stuff. Especially monocolored stuff, yeah, as we'll get to when we re-rank the top commons of each color. It's sort of hard for us to like nail down even what the third one is because it feels like there's a lot tied for those slots. Yeah, and then if we take a look at speed of the format, I think it feels pretty similar to Rivals of Ixalan, which was, you know, largely not a curve format. And that's the one difference I think this has from Rivals of Ixalan. But I think the comparison is good because Rix was also a bomb heavy format, but you really could afford to not play two drops in Rivals of Ixalan and your three drop slot got pretty clogged. I've been finding it hard to pick up good threes in this format. And frequently I find my four drop slot getting clogged. Yeah, there's a lot of really good fours and fives and not a lot of good things to be able to do at three mana or less. I think the other thing that makes it feel similar to Rick's is there's a lot of, and you sort of nailed this in our uh, crash course, but there's a lot of ways to get like two for ones. Like there's a, there's just a lot of incidental card draw or value engines or like ways to generate two effects from one card, that sort of thing. And that definitely reminds me of Rivals of Ixalan with like recovers or secrets of the Golden City floating around. And there definitely are not good two drops, but I've found myself wanting to play two drops and prioritizing good two drops pretty highly. Yeah. Do you have a sense of like what those two drops are? Not to just like put you on the spot or anything, but I feel like it's it's interesting to be like, these are two drops I'm excited about and these ones are not. Like, do you have any any thoughts about those? Yeah. In white, I think the best one is Impassioned Order. That's the one white 2-2. Two, two. Whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, you gain a life. In green, Soraform Hybrid, one and a green for the 2-2 two, two that has Adapt 4 for 4GG. In Orzov specifically, the white black gold card that's the 2-1 Afterlife 1 is and Vigilance is absolutely outstanding. I think that's probably the best two-drop in the format. Yeah, and, and a lot of those two-drops, I mean, I think this sort of gets to why this format feels like Rivals of Ixon, because it doesn't feel like there's an aggro deck, really. Like, I was trying to think about what I thought the aggressive deck is. Like, it's either going to be Rakdos or Gruul. Like, we're talking about the best two-drops there, and that's like a 2-1 that's like good to trade off and you get a 1-1 flyer, or a 2-2 that like you want to get to six mana so you can adapt it into a six six like these are not two drops that are like hyper aggro like you're not getting like a hasty two mana two two or something like that those just don't really exist yeah the best rakdos decks that i've seen in our trophy hype all were pretty aggressively slanted and i think i've not just been able to build a rakdos deck like that yet but i think rakdos is probably the most aggressive one it's way more controlling and sealed and i think you have the option to go either way with it but even gruel is more kind of like beat down rather than aggro and and simic feels similarly yeah and gruel feels like a mid-range deck to me like it's beef is coming from like being able to go you know four mana four four five mana five five but it doesn't really have very impressive things to do on turn two or three i agree territorial boar not the gust walker the format Mm, yeah for sure so yeah it does feel like the tools are there to fight aggro i've been finding games going very long in both draft and sealed yeah i agree but sometimes if your opponent's just not affecting the board early the games can end in a hurry too if you get too far behind i mean that's just magic i guess yeah for sure i mean i think that just goes with like you can't afford to do nothing on turn two you have to be affecting the board in some way in those early turns of the game but with a good card i think it's better to not affect it on two than to do it with a bad card like that horrible one three in blue that taps to mill or something like that right yeah yeah. you don't want to be just putting those in your deck for sure the sealed format feels less flexible to me than guilds of ravnica did in terms of like most of my pools didn't feel like they had two builds and that was something i felt very strongly about in guilds that like 
you could often always build two decks and you wanted to have that option to be able to like switch into that for sideboarding. Now that doesn't really, it's not really relevant in best of one, but even then I was still like, I didn't often feel like I had two decks to choose between. Right. I think that's because there's a lot of cross synergy between the guilds. So frequently you can play all of your best cards in one deck that work together as a cohesive unit, I think. Yeah. For sealed for me, the things that were dictating what decks I was playing were my bombs and my guild gates, actually. I agree completely. Yeah, it was like, okay, what are my stupid cards? And then what lands do I have access to? Because almost all of my decks were two colors with a, a splash for a third color. Yeah, I, I was similar, except when I opened two busted Rakdos pools and just played straight Rakdos and crushed everyone. Well, you know, you're a, a lucky boy. Gates seem like high picks in this format, even beyond like gate payoffs. Because the format is slow enough, splashing is frequently going to happen. I think you and I have often, even in draft, been playing two colors, splashing a third. And I think that that's because we're taking the fixing highly. You're going to make playables because just like limited sets, you make playables in these days. And so getting to play the lands that you draft opens up splashes, and then also opens up gate payoffs cards as well. Yeah, gates are fantastic. I think you're picking them like pretty happily picks four through eight sometimes. Mm-hmm. And then there's I mean, there's great times when like you have like 17 playables going into pack three and you can just be like, well, I can just snap up all the gates I see. Yeah. And speaking of gates, how many lands are you running? Great question. I've been running 17 lands almost exclusively in draft. I think sometimes I was running 18 in sealed, but that's 17 lands and then often like plus a locket or plus an open the gates or plus like that rare mana dork. Like there have been additional mana sources to that 17. So 17 is sort of in the minimum that I've been running. Yeah, I've been very happy with 17 plus a locket. The lockets are just outstanding in this format. There's good fives to ramp to. The games go long enough that you really get a chance to crack your locket and actually get your divination off the locket. I just think they're playing one is actively good, even in draft. Yeah, that's a that's a point for you for sure. You, you had that as a hot take before the crash course, and I think that definitely got there. Um, we do want to move into a cleanup step here. To talk about some things that we got wrong last week that people were very quick to point out. We were a little little sloppy in the crash course. Um, so a few like rules things that we missed. Uh, one, I believe we said that you can respond to the riot trigger, which is incorrect. You can respond to the creature being cast. But once the creature hits the battlefield, it is either going to have haste or a plus one plus one counter. You don't have the chance to like you know, deal three to a thing before it gets the counter to make it a four toughness creature, that sort of thing. And in our haste to figure out the top three red commons on air, because the commons are so garbage, uh, we thought Spear Spewer only did damage to your opponent. And it turns out when you tap it, it deals one to each player. Uh, And I think that is a fair knock against it. I think you're probably only playing it in Rakdos decks then. And even then, you know, it's a free way to turn on Spectacle, but you really have to value Spectacle, I think, before you're putting that in your deck. Yeah, I agree with that. And lastly, uh, rules thing we, and I think we were just shortcutting this because I I knew this, but I think we may have said something incorrect, uh, that Adapt only cares if the creature has a plus one plus one counter on it. It's not if the creature has adapted already, right? So even if Soraform Hybrid has one counter on it, you can't adapt it to get those four additional counters. And we got some points to award here that I think, you know, we'll, and we'll get to some of these. We each had a lot of hot takes in that episode and some of them panned out and some of them didn't. And we're going to talk about a lot of the cards when we re-rank the top commons. And we're also going to do a biggest movers up, biggest movers down segment, but some of them we're not really going to get to. So huge point to you for summary judgment over Civic Stalwart as the top white common. I don't even think Civic Stalwart is in the top commons anymore. So that's the three and a white three, three when ETBs plus one, plus one to all your creatures. And summary judgment is the one and a white instant deal three damage to target tap creature. Summary judgment is just hands down the best white common and civic stalwart, I think, is 
below replacement level. Yeah, I agree with those for sure. Huge, massive, giant point to Ben for Chillbringer as the top blue common. I mean, I think it's, it wasn't so much a hot take for you as it was a very, very cold take for me to not put it <laughs> up there. Um, but as soon as I saw it cast once, I was like, oh, that's just ridiculous. Um, it does exactly what you said it would. You know, it's a huge tempo play in your favor if you are ahead at all. And it really does kind of help you come from behind like to to buy a turn and, and put a, a relevant body on the board. Yeah. And I think another point to me for Cry of the Carnarium, that's the one black black minus two minus two to all creatures. I think it's strong out of the sideboard, but I don't think you're starting that in the main deck in this format. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, I've seen a cast like maybe five times in the sealed best of ones and only once did I think it was not good. But I, I still think that there's a lot of setup cost to it. And even then, it's just dead against some decks. And that moves us on to the most important part of this format, the uncommon enchantments. Yeah, these really surprised us, I think, in the past few days. Yeah, I don't think we rated many of these crazy highly for our grades in the set review, and Mm -hmm. they have moved up a ton for me since I've been drafting the format. Yeah, so we'll start off with the card that appeared in the round table, which was Angelic Exaltation. So this is three and a white enchantment. Uh, Whenever a creature you control attacks alone, it gets plus X plus X until end of turn where X is the number of creatures you control. So it's basically a throwback to the mechanic of Exalted. The thing that I thought about this card when I saw it was this is only good when you're ahead. It tricks you into thinking that because it says like when you attack, your creature gets big if you have more creatures. And I, you know, I sort of shortcut that and go, oh, well, if I have enough creatures where this is doing something, then I'm probably already winning anyway. But the thing that I missed about this card is that it makes racing nearly impossible. Like you are basically alpha striking every turn with one creature and then you get to keep all your other creatures back as blockers. Yeah, it's absolutely busted at parity. And I think really excels in tandem with afterlife because what are they doing? Like trading with your creature? Great. It replaces itself. You get a 1-1 spirit. So I think it really excels in Orzov. I think it's also good in Azorius too if you build an Azorius deck with a lot of creatures. I think both of those decks have the benefit of having a lot of evasive threats. And it's really hard when your opponent is attacking with like a 6-6 six, six flyer. Or a 2-5 unblockable that's getting plus 4 plus 4. Exactly, yeah. I think there's just a lot that makes this card pretty desirable and it doesn't take a lot like it takes you putting creatures in your deck which you're already doing because it's limited yeah this is just way better than a combat trick the power level is high and there's only very few situations where you actively don't want it when you're just like stone behind and have no creatures next on the list we've got eyes everywhere there's two and a blue for an enchantment at the beginning of your upkeep you get a scry one and then you can pay five and a blue to switch eyes everywhere with target permanent and opponent controls This card has been impressive, I think, especially in sealed, maybe a little less so in draft, but getting to scry one every turn is good. Filtering your draw steps like you would just play a card in limited most of the time. I think that was three mana scry one in your upkeep. And then if your opponent isn't playing blue, you have a control magic. And if the card you're taking is good enough, you don't care that your opponent's scrying one every turn for the rest of the game. You're going to kill them in a hurry with their Rakdos or their giant dragon or whatever you stole. Yeah, it it has a sort of planeswalkery effect, I think in that you have to respect the impending control magic, even if your opponent isn't going to activate it. Yes, threat of activation is super real on that card. It really is. Like I was playing against it uh, yesterday, I guess, and I had an adapt creature in play. The um, I forget the name of it, but it's the blue four mana two, three that gives all your plus and plus one counter creatures flying and it has adapt two for five and a blue. And I could never adapt it because whenever I was going to go and tap out to adapt it, they were just going to steal it. Yeah, feels bad, man. I think there's just a lot going on in that card. It might be too slow, and it is, you know, there is some downside playing it against an opponent who has blue mana, 
but it's it's still a pretty big tempo swing. Even if you're going to just do it and then you know they have the opportunity to do it again, I think you can really set up a turn where it's going to be effective. Yeah, I think it's a good card. I think it's a C plus, B minus. Yeah, I don't know if it's a pull into blue, but I'd probably happily play it in a blue deck, but I could see it moving up as I have more experience with it. Yeah. Next on this list, point for me, Iggy. Iggy, is that where we're going? Iggy, yeah. IGI, <laughs> Ill-Gotten Inheritance. Iggy, right. Ill-Gotten Inheritance. So Ill-Gotten Inheritance is three and a black for an enchantment. Uh, and at the beginning of your upkeep, target opponent loses one life, you gain one life, and you can pay five and a black to sacrifice it to drain your opponent for four. And I think it's that last ability that really puts it over the top. Draining four is a big chunk and it either forces your opponent to race when they don't want to race. And if they don't want to start the race, great ill-gotten inheritance is eventually going to kill them. So it's very strong against about exactly half the decks in the format. And then other times you don't necessarily want it. I actively want to start the first copy of my black decks, especially in Orzov. But Rakdos is good too, because it just turns on spectacle for you every turn. I just think the first copy is good in black decks. It gets a little embarrassed if your opponent is playing giant creatures like against Gruul or Simic maybe. But in the Dirtily Mirror, which there are a lot of in this format, I just think it's an outstanding card. I think even against Simic, it's pretty good because Simic is doing a lot of like, I'm trying to set up my board, like I'm playing my things and then I want to make my things big. And I think that gives you enough time where ill-gotten inheritance can do a lot of work. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, High Alert is up next. This card has been very impressive. I have had the chance to play with this multiple times already. This is one white blue for an enchantment. Um, It makes all of your creatures deal damage equal to their toughness instead of their power. Uh, lets you attack with defenders as though they didn't have defender and you can pay two white blue to untap a creature. It doesn't take a lot to build around this card. You think about the best card for it is the 2-5 the Knight, the Azorius Knight Arbiter. That's three white blue for a 2-5 with Vigilance and it can't be blocked. So you turn that into a 5-5 five, five unblockable with Vigilance, which just ends the game in a hurry. But there's just a lot of high toughness things. Senate Courier, the 1-4 Flyer in blue that was not the top blue common of this format um, <laughs> is really good with high alert. I don't think you really need to even, like build a defender deck with it. It's just very good. It's also really good out of the sideboard. If your opponent is like playing sky tethers, the one white removal spell that like makes a creature lose flying and have defender. It's good against slime binds. Cause you don't care about losing toughness. It's good against the Azorius six drop that gives all your creatures minus one minus O cause high alert doesn't care about that either. Just, really does a lot in this format i think and moving on to our next busted enchantment rhythm of the wild one green red creatures you control have riot and i think they can't be countered or something but who cares about that part yeah i mean it's relevant against quench or whatever the one in a blue counter target spell unless the controller pays two. my current bane of my capture. existence in essence capture yeah quench is so bad <laughs> <laughs> it gets me every time. Uh, so Rhythm of the Wild, I think, is one of the key cards for the Gruul deck to really be busted because what it does is it lets you... So Gruul's kind of a mid-rangey deck where most of your power is at 3, 4, 5 CMC. And if you play Rhythm of the Wild on 3, all of a sudden every creature you play is large and has haste because your creatures with Riot already have double Riot. So you get a plus 1, plus 1 counter and you get a haste them out. It just is very, very strong, and the, every creature in your opponent's deck can have haste if you want it to, so it's really hard to defend once your opponent puts Rhythm of the Wild down on the battlefield. Right. It, again, has like additional text, it feels like. It makes your opponent have to either start racing immediately or never attack with anything. Yep. <laughs> like Those are your two options, because you can't just sort of be like, oh, I'll leave like a few things back because everything could have haste. Yep. Um, next on this list is a card that I feel like the jury's still out for me a little bit, though I have been very impressed 
buy it on my opponent's side of the battlefield. I haven't had a chance to play with it myself. This is Dovin's Acuity. Uh, this is the disinformation campaign of the set. One white blue for an enchantment. Enters the battlefield, you draw a card and gain two life. And then whenever you cast an instant during your main phase, you can return it to your hand. I have seen really good control decks with this as its card advantage engine. Yeah, I'm I'm not super high on it. I think it's fine. I haven't been impressed by it yet, but I also haven't played. I haven't played it and I haven't played against it much, maybe one or two times. Yeah, I, I've I've been impressed by it, but I feel like it's really hard to get it to come together because I don't think there's a lot of good instants that you can get your hands on. Yeah, that makes sense. And one more card I want to talk about, but it's not an uncommon. This is a rare. This is Verity Circle. This is a tune and blue for an enchantment. Whenever a creature your opponent controls becomes tapped, if it wasn't declared as an attacker, you may draw a card and you can pay four and a blue to tap target creature and opponent controls without flying. This card has been very strong. Now it's kind of embarrassed against Azorius decks in particular, but against non-Azorius decks, if you can get to that activation, your opponent just basically can't do anything. And it, this card also like hoses Guild Mage activations because you get to draw cards off of them. This card has really impressed me. Yeah, I agree that my opponent had that and it's backbreaking because while they're locking down your threats, they're making more land drops when they draw cards and your situation just gets worse and worse and worse. Yeah. So I think those a lot of those uncommon enchantments, I think, are the the ways you're supposed to build your decks like Angelic Exaltation, Ill-Gotten Inheritance, High Alert, Rhythm of the Wild. All four of those like make me want to draft a color pair or a certain style of deck. Yeah, I agree with that. So that brings me to my question, which is... Are we main decking enchantment removal? Because we've got these powerful uncommon enchantments and we've got Law Mage's Binding and Slime Bind at common as like enchantment based removal or pseudo removal. Well, and there's some other bomb rares we haven't talked about that are enchantments right, sure, as well. Right, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, maybe I'm still, I still haven't been, but it might be right. I think after this conversation, I'm going to start main decking it. And we're really only talking about Exposed to Daylight because like the other enchantment removal is Mortify. That's the one white black instant destroy target creature or enchantment, which is just even better because you have that flexibility on it. But we're talking about Exposed to Daylight, which is two and a white for an instant destroy target artifact or enchantment scry one, which I've been siding in quite a bit. And I think I'm going to start with one main deck and then side it out if I don't see things. Yeah, I've been doing the opposite, but I really value picking up at least one copy. And I think Mortify just becomes an A in this set now. Yes, I agree with that. So that's going to take us into our biggest movers up and our biggest movers down segment. Do you want to kick us off uh, with one of our biggest movers up? Yeah, I mean, I think this is a, a point for me. Arrestor Zeal, this is the single white combat trick, plus two, plus two to target creature until end of turn. And if you cast it during your main phase, the creature gains flying. I think even without that second line of text, just one mana tricks in general have been impressive. And I, I've been happy with this card. Yeah, I think it's done a lot of work. I also have come up quite a bit on it. I no longer think it's replaceable. And I, I probably want one in most of my white decks. Next, we've got Rally to Battle. That's three and a white. Creatures you control get plus one, plus three until end of turn. Untap them at instant speed. I think this card is just really hard to play around, and I think we maybe missed that a little bit in the set review with our grades. I think both Azorius and Orzov are wanting to build out a board, and just being able to attack and know you can cast this either on the attack step or on blocks when your opponent tries to crack you back just makes it to where you know if you've got this your opponent's in a bad spot if you've got any sort of a reasonable board yeah and you know what this is really good with high alert yeah yeah <laughs> stupid yeah. i got to do that yesterday nice 
Next up is Skitter Eel. This is three and a blue for a three three. This is the Blue Hill Giant, but it has Adapt two for two and a blue. This card is good. I, I feel like we just missed it somehow. Like a Hill Giant is fine, and the adaptability is cheap. Like three mana for two counters is nice. It becomes you know the Dark Horse from uh, <laughs> from Rivals of Ixalan, the old four mana five five. I think I think this card is just a, a rock solid common. Yeah, it's almost four mana three three unblockable because the threat of activation is so tough. Yeah. Agreed. Next up, we've got Undercity Scavenger in Orzov. That's three and a black for the Hill Giant. And then when it ETBs, you have the option to sacrifice a creature. If you do put two plus one plus one counters on it and scry two, if your opponent has some enchantment based removal and you get to sacrifice a creature for free, that card is busted. So very strong out of the sideboard against enchantment based removal and just curving in Orzov with some of the afterlife creatures into Undercity Scavenger. A four mana five five scry two is big game and you don't really mind sacrificing your two one afterlife one. Yeah, this I mean, there's so many rivals of Ixalan parallels. So this reminds me of in rivals when Storm Sculptor got better once rivals of Ixalan was added to the draft format, as well as costly plunder, the one in a black sack of creature draw two cards because people were playing like water knots and luminous bonds. And here I think, you know, we've got slime binds and, and law mages binding. And I think bringing that in and also the blink effect the one in a white, like exile your creature, it comes back into play with first strike. Mm-hmm. I think those are like really good things to look out for to side in against those sort of blue decks. Yeah. Storm Strike is up next. This is a single red for an instant. Target creature gets plus one plus oh and first strike until end of turn and scry one. Again, these one mana combat tricks have just been good. The scry one on this also feels kind of brutal. Like, because when they're casting this, they're getting a one for one with it. And then the scry one tacked on feels like it's a 1.5 for one for one mana. It's pretty strong. Yeah, I think especially in Gruul, where you can often double spell after casting this, and you have big enough creatures that your opponents often incentivize to double block. Next on the list, we've got Biogenic Upgrade. This is four green green for a sorcery. Distribute three plus one plus one counters among one, two, or three target creatures, then double the number of plus one plus one counters on each of those creatures. So I think this is just super flexible. If you've got a good wide board, you can Biogenic Upgrade and get plus two plus two to your team. If you're in Simic and heaven forbid you've already got plus one plus one counters on your creatures, you get to double those as well. So you're getting potentially more than six plus one plus one counters. It's essentially six hasty power and toughness spread across your team to give you the most relevant attacks possible. It just does a lot of work and is pretty backbreaking if you've got any sort of board. The thing that I missed on this card was that you could do it to one creature, that you could just give the three counters to one thing and then double it. Yeah, plus six plus six is strong. It's really strong. Yeah, I agree. Next up on this list, oh my god, yeah, point for you here, final payment, this is white-black for the instant, destroy target creature, and an additional cost to cast it, you either pay five life or sack a creature or enchantment. Uh, I was like worried about running like too many of these in a deck, I don't think that exists. This card is absurd, I don't know why it needed to be instant speed, but like, you just get to do so many things with it. You can respond to removal. You can sack stuff that's under the enchantment removal. You can pay five life because there's like good life gain in white black. And just like, I will run any number of these. I'm so, so happy to see this card. Yeah, it's absolutely bonkers. And just getting to double spell the turn that you do it just makes it to where you're killing their biggest threat and getting ahead on board. It's it's ridiculous. Pitiless Pontiff is next. That's white black for a 2-2. This is a point for you and has the ability one, sacrifice another creature. Pitiless Pontiff gains death touch and indestructible until end of turn. This is just essentially two mana unblockable. And if you don't want to be on offense, it's two mana, 2-2. Your opponents can't attack you on the ground. Like your gruel opponents just can't beat this card. And all your opponents removal is bad now because like they can't target this with it. And if they target something else, then you just get to sacrifice it 
and now and like have the creature be indestructible and have death touch until end of turn it's really really annoying to deal with yeah it's a rock solid b maybe even a b plus definitely a pull indoors of debtor's transport really impressed me in sealed i haven't played with or against it in draft yet but i imagine it's good if you need a six drop this is a five and a black for a five three with afterlife two unless you're like law mage is binding this it's really hard to not get a two for one out of this card yeah card has been great even in draft i actively want like one to two copies of my six drop slot in any black deck it's just your opponent plays it or you play it and you're just like okay what are you gonna do (laughs) nothing unless you've got law mages binding yeah you're gonna trade with it and then you're gonna have two one one flyers you have to deal with next on this list we've got blade brand that's one in a black for the instant target creature gains death touch and you draw a card this card has impressed me even outside of the dagger caster wombo combo i got to do that in sealed a few times and it's good um but just blade brand in and of its own accord i think is a reasonable card a lot of times you've got spirit tokens running around that you don't mind chump attacking or chump blocking with and the the fact that you get to draw a card just lets any creature you have trade up against your opponent's biggest threat that's trying to attack you yeah i think this reminds me a bit of forgetting the name of it but there was like the plus two plus oh combat trick that we usually get like supernatural stamina that like you know makes the creature trade up and then you get the creature back so it's like you know replaces the creature essentially i mean this doesn't yeah. do that but it does like it does give you that draw card text on it and it's cheap it's just two mana i think this is just a lot better than i initially thought yeah it works especially well in tandem with footlight fiend that's the black red hybrid one one that when it dies you do one damage to any target so if you can get your opponent to block or you know you block something with the footlight fiend and then the the ping that you get off the footlight fiend also has death touch so you get yourself a little two for one plus you get a draw card Moving on down for some more black commons, Dead Revels, I think is a card we both actively want one of in all of our black decks. This is three and a black for a sorcery to return up to two target creature cards from your graveyard to your hand and has spectacle for one and a black. Just wandering death without cycling. It's, it's back, it's very, baby. It's very good. Like this just gives black a divination. Yeah, it's so strong. And depending on your deck, I'd play up to two or three of these. Yeah, for sure. So you don't really have like incidental mill which is a way that like fueling these cards helps but black's creatures are trading off like either the afterlife ones or you know you've just got creatures that are getting into the red zone because you're trying to enable spectacle or anything like that it just really feels like it's not hard to find a time where you cast this and you get value off of it well and final payment gets creatures in the graveyard there's sack outlets like a pitiless pontiff that we just talked about you end up with creatures in your graveyard if you're playing black yeah for sure Next on the list is Stony Strength. This has really impressed me in the one time I played Simic and out of my opponent's single green for the instant target creature gets plus one plus one and untap this creature. I loved this card back in Return to Ravnica. It was called Burst of Strength, I think, uh, in the Simic decks there. And this is, I think, is even just better than that in this format because of the plus one plus one counter synergy. You know, if you do it on a Shark to Crab that's already adapted, you still get the benefit. I think that's the biggest thing I missed was that you can adapt a creature, get the effect, and then burst of strength after it's already adapted and get the effect a second time. And just being able to play defense or play around, you know, the judgment, whatever that card is called, the one white deal three to target tapped creature. There's just a lot of value for one mana in Stony Strength in Simic decks. And I also think there's value in it now, whereas in maybe like two weeks, three weeks, it'll go down because people will be thinking about it a lot, but people aren't thinking about it right now. No, definitely not. Fairy Duelist is up next. This is one in a blue for the one two flyer with flash. And when it enters the battlefield, target creature and opponent controls gets minus two minus zero until end of turn. 
This card's been pretty good. I mean, it's very good with high alert, obviously, because it's like a two mana two two flyer with flash. But also minus two minus zero to like the Rakdos deck is pretty backbreaking. Like you can turn off Spectacle for a turn. You can make their two two Death Touch be an O two and just ambush it in combat or ambush any two power creature in combat. I've just found that this does enough. Like you shrink their creature in response to them casting Titanic Brawl or Savage Smash or anything like that. And lastly, we've got Sky Tether, single white for the enchantment. Enchanted creature gains defender and loses flying. This has really impressed me. In Orzhov decks, it's essentially just one mana kill your creature because the Orzhov deck doesn't necessarily kill you through attacking or they take their sweet time while they're doing it. It's so good against Gruul. It's so good against Simic. And I think you're just going to find a use for it against the other decks that it's it's gone way up in my pick order and I'm picking it a lot more highly now. Moving on to the biggest movers down... Points deducted for Ethan. <laughs> Senate Courier <laughs> is the 1-4 uh, flyer for 3 mana. It has 1 and a white to gain vigilance until end of turn. You were right. I mean, this is embarrassed by Gruul. One power in this format doesn't feel good. No. I don't like this as a blocker as much as I thought I would. That's, I think, the biggest reason this is so underperformed for me. Like, I basically only want this in a high alert deck, I think. Yep, I agree. We've got Undercity's Embrace. That's two and a black for the instant. Target opponent sacrifices a creature, and if you control a creature with power four or greater, you gain four life. I think this is just a sideboard-only card. There's too many ways to punish it if you don't know what archetype you're playing against it, but once you're playing against Gruul or Simic especially, it goes up in value a lot, and you would bring it in. Next up is Gustwalker. Ben, how are you feeling about Territorial Boars? Uh, do remind me. Uh, and it has the ferocious text whenever a creature with power four or greater enters the battlefield under your control it gets plus one plus one and vigilance until end of turn the hot takes were fun in the site review they're a little less fun now that we're wrong <laughs> yeah i also think like it's important to note that we're moving off of these very quickly it's been less than a week of playing with these cards and i didn't i don't i think a lot of these takes it didn't take long for us to go that's right that's wrong that's right that's wrong you know Yep. And I think Territorial Boar, I haven't even cast it yet, and I haven't played against it much. Ryan Sachs had a deck with four of them in a Gruul deck that looked like if it were going to be good, it would be good in that deck. And he was I asked him how it was, and he was like, eh. And I was like, okay, I'm off it. Yeah. <laughs> Next on the list, we've got Gruul Beastmaster. This is three and a green for the 2-2 Human Shaman with Riot, and whenever it attacks, another target creature you control gets plus X plus O until end of turn, where X is Gruul Beastmaster's power. If the only situation where this is good is if you've already got attacks with a Gruul Beastmaster, and if you've got attacks with a four mana three three in Gruul, you're probably already doing okay for yourself. I just think this is not a card I'm interested in putting in most of my decks. Here's my take, buddy. I just came up with this now. I think when the delta between the creature's power and its casting cost is two and it has riot, it's not good. Like the four mana two two here, the four mana two two in red that has menace and riot. The three mana one one that like when it attacks a creature can't block. All of those just feel too because I'm like, this is so small if I give it haste. And even if I don't, it's kind of small. Yeah, that's fair. I, I think the Clamor Shaman is still pretty good. Um, but yeah, Gruel Beastmaster definitely has not impressed. Rafter Demon is up next. I mean, I maybe got tricked by this a little bit in sealed because I got it cast against me a couple times and it was strong. Um this is the Two black red, four two with spectacle for three black red. Your opponent discards a card. It's just like a, a four mana four two or a five mana four two is not what you want to be doing. It's going to be trading down on mana. The discard a card is actually kind of relevant because the games are going long. But then the four two is just trading down on mana. I don't think it's what Rakdos wants to do. Yeah, it's just overcosted on both sides. That's the problem. Yeah. Next, we've got Galloping Lizrog. This card is miserable. 
I am never playing with this card ever again. I had it in a Simic deck where I thought it would be good and it just is not good unless you curve out, in which case like you're already doing fine. This is three blue green for a three, three trample. When it ETBs, you remove any number of plus one, plus one counters from among creatures you control. If you do put twice that many plus one, plus one counters on galloping Lizrog. So if you've curved out in Simic, you don't want to play this on five because that means you haven't adapted anything. So it's not good on turn five. The only time it's maybe good is if you've already adapted stuff later in the game and maybe they've put enchantment removal on it or something. But I don't know when you're wanting to take plus one plus one counters off of something to put them on here and then have it be answered answered by a single removal spell. This just does not do enough in any situation of the game to warrant its casting cost or inclusion in your Simic deck. This also suffers from the fact that there are plenty of good five drops in this format. Like even if you live the dream, yeah, this is better than the the Rendhorn, the like four and a green four four with Riot, but not by that much. Like you're fine with a four five mana five five. Yeah, Rendhorn is just much better than this card. It's not even close. Next up is Growth Spirals. Is green blue for an instant. Draw a card. You may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield. This card is not good. I was like kind of excited about this and Simic decks. Like the thing that makes this bad is what we were talking about earlier, which is that on turn two. You want to play a creature like when you are faced with the option of like play Soraform hybrid or this on turn two, you want to play hybrid 10 out of 10 times. And that makes this card bad because the more this goes on, the less likely it is to ramp you because like you may not have an extra land to play. And then this is just two mana draw card, which is not good in limited. Like, I mean, it's that's like what you expect you pay for a draw card, but like you aren't putting that in your deck. You're not putting a cycler in your deck. This card just doesn't do what I want it to do. I agree. Moving on to Gyre Engineer. This is the one blue-green for the 1-1 one, one that can tap to add blue-green to your mana pool. This card is just too fragile. I've never seen this card not get insta-killed. And even then, like it's rarely better than a locket. I just think you want Simic Locket over this card in your Simic decks. Lastly, we want to talk about Dagger Caster. This is three and a red for the 2-3. ADTBs and Goblin Chain Whirlers. It deals damage to uh, your opponent and each creature they control. You know, this is cool with Blade Brand, but people aren't playing a lot of X1s. I think this is more like, dare I say, sideboard material against Afterlife decks. It's almost a very good sideboard card, unless you've got like multiple copies of it and Blade Brand. Which, shockingly, I saw more of in Sealed than I have in Draft yet. Yeah, I had two of each in my Sealed pool in one of my seven run decks. Jesus. (laughs) Felt good. I bet. And that takes us into our rare reports. We've had a chance to play with some of these rares. Some of them are obviously busted. We're not going to talk about all of them, but these are the ones that maybe were a little trickier to evaluate. So Pestilence Spirit has been great for and against me. It's two and a black for the three, two with menace and gives all of your and has death touch itself and gives all of your spells death touch and getting to turn, you know, your red burn that's cheap into kill anything is super strong also really cute in combination i've done in tandem with flames of the raise board to like wrath my opponent's side of the board it just does a lot for a three drop and good three drops are hard to come by amplifier is next you know i really dismissed this in my set review with travis and then he was trying to talk me up on it as he figured this card out it's pretty strong this is uh two red red for a one one and then at the beginning of your upkeep you reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a creature card then Amplifier's power and toughness becomes twice that, and then you put those cards on the bottom of your library. So essentially, if the smallest creature in your deck is a 2-2, which it almost always is, or even let's say a 2-1, but you probably should just be playing 2-2s, this is going to be a 4-4 most of the time. It's like a it's a 1-1 the first turn, so it's a little fragile, but then it's a 4-4. And if it ever becomes like a 10-10, I, I, had, the, I had two 6-6s six in my deck, and this was a 12-12. It, it's absurd. Yeah, the turns you spike, it just feels absolutely unfair. 
because how is your opponent supposed to play around it? Like, again, it feels like the rhythm of the wild. Like, are they just supposed to, like, leave back everything? Card is very, very good. Next on this list, we've got Mirror March. This is five and a red for the enchantment. Whenever you cast a creature, you flip a coin. And if it if you win the flip, I don't know if it's heads or tails or whatever. But if you win the flip, you make a copy of that creature that's unaffected by summoning sickness and you sacrifice it at the beginning of the next end step. This card, you also flip coins until you lose the flip. Right. Yeah, that's relevant as well. This card is garbage. I would not <laughs> yeah. play it. I, I was like, all right, maybe this is like, I was thinking it was going to be like Sunbird's Invocation and maybe it was good since the format was slow. The problem with this card is oftentimes by this time this comes down on turn six, you've cast all of your good creatures already. And even if you haven't, you have a chance to have an enchantment on six that does nothing and then a 50% chance to do nothing the next turn. And if the creatures that you're playing with it aren't like don't have good attacks, your opponent can just eat the tokens that they make. Yes, every once in a while, you're going to make like six copies and win the game and it's going to feel awesome. But this is not a card you want to put in your deck. Agreed. A card you do want to put in your deck is Guardian Project. This is ridiculous. This is three and a green for an enchantment. More more enchantments that are good, Ben. It says whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, if it doesn't have the same name as another creature you control or a creature card in your graveyard, you draw a card, which in limited is usually most of your creatures. Yeah, it's very, very good. It's just stupid. It's way better than Beastmaster or whatever it was from the last set because it's so hard to interact with. There's not a lot of enchantment removal. And I've seen a lot of comparisons to Path of Discovery, more Rivals of Ixalan cards, which gave all of your creatures Explore. This is better than that. Better than Path of Discovery. And Path of Discovery was busted. Nikia of the Old Ways is next. This is three red-green for the 5-5, and all of your lands tap for double of whatever mana they would produce, and you can't cast non-creature spells. This is very good in Sealed. I assume it's good in Draft as well, and especially good with mana sinks. Like if you've got places to pump creatures or adapt creatures or whatever, if you've got creatures that want mana sunk into them, Nikia is borderline bomb status. I... I'm not as high on this card as you. I've seen it in play a few times, and I hear what you're saying about that, but the balance of feeling like I know that I can't get blown out by anything in combat or like when I play removal spells or something makes me feel like this is less bomb statusy than than perhaps you do. No, maybe not bomb. Maybe that's a strong word, but good. I, I want to play it. I, I thought how you thought until I faced it down with my opponent having mana sinks. I was like, oh, this is fine. And then my opponent went like, creature, creature, sink 10 mana into this the next turn. And I was just like, okay, all right, it's yeah, a good I card. Mean, the fact that Frenzied Aranx is at common and goes so well with this is is really enough to feel like it, it can get there pretty easily. But I do feel like you have to put some work into deck building and drafting when you have this card. Yeah, that's fair. Simic Ascendancy is next. This feels like it, it might just be too slow for, for draft. I'm not sure... This is green-blue for an enchantment. You can pay one green-blue to put a plus and plus one counter on target creature. And then it has a bunch of other text about how, like, once you've dumped 120 mana into it, you win the game. I think that this could be a sideboard card when you know the matchup's going to be grindy because this is just another enchantment that can, like, win the long game. But it's very slow. Yeah, super slow. I tried this in Sealed, and I am totally 100% off it. It's absolute garbage. I'm not totally off it yet, but I, I think it requires a ton of work. Next, we've got Theater of Horrors, one black red for the enchantment. This card is a bomb. At the beginning of your upkeep, exile the top card of your library. During your turn, if an opponent lost lifeless turn, you may play cards exiled with Theater of Horrors and has three and a red. Theater of Horrors deals one damage to target opponent or planeswalker, so it can turn on spectacle for yourselves, I guess, um, is the idea with the card. This is insane. Uh, and 
keeps the cards exiled with it underneath it. So you can play like three or four of the cards exiled with this in one turn. It's not only for one turn. I, I misunderstood that about the card when I was evaluating it the first time around. I do think you need to make an effort to make sure that Spectacle's on because sometimes if you get behind, I've had this in draft a couple times now, if you get behind, you're in danger of it doing nothing, which is a real liability. But power level is there and is borderline as good as Experimental Frenzy if you're able to damage your opponent. Yeah, I missed that as well that you don't lose the cards at the end of the turn. Rakdos is up next. We've had a chance to play with this in sealed. I haven't played with it in draft yet. This is four black red for a six, six with flying and trample. When it ETBs, you flip a coin for each creature that isn't a demon devil or imp and you destroy each creature whose coin comes up tails. I just think when you have this card in your deck, you want to be trading off aggressively because you don't want to be in a position where you don't want to cast this. Like if you have like three creatures and your opponent has one, it feels dangerous to cast this card. Yeah, I've had it in two different sealed pools, and I ran into way more situations than I would have liked where I didn't want to cast it on curve. But I ultimately was able to maneuver the game to a situation where I wanted to cast it. So I mean, it's good. You're always putting it in your deck, but it's interesting once you have it in your deck and you actually have it in your hand and you're trying to think, well, when do I play this card? Also, big flavor fail on the arena animation. I was expecting to see some like sweet looking coins flipping all over the battlefield. No, (laughs) just swings his scythe and then it's done. It's hard to even tell what happened. You heard it here. Ben's got notes. Last one on this list I do want to talk about is Biomancer's Familiar. I had a chance to play with this in a Simic deck. Now, I'm pretty down on Simic because mostly because of its lack of removal at common. Um, And I think its guild commons are pretty weak aside from Aramunculus. But I think the power level is there at uncommon and rare. And Biomancer's Familiar makes this deck tick. So this is green blue for a 2-2. Activated abilities of creatures you control cost two less to activate. And it has tap the next time target creature adapts this turn, it adapts as though it had no plus one plus one counters on it. It just really lets the whole deck tick. You can like get your combined guild mage activations cheaper. All of your adapt abilities are cheaper. You can now adapt multiple times. It's just pretty busted. Yeah, I can confirm I was on the receiving end of a Biomancer's familiar out of a Simic deck and it is bonkers. That takes us on to re-ranking our top commons. Yeah, so we're going to take a look at the monocolored commons, Amor. We've also ranked the top guild commons. We're going to try and run through these fairly quickly. Um, we don't have a lot of uh, of talking points here. I think we, we feel fairly solid on most of these. So for white, at number one, we both got summary judgment. That's the, the instant deal three or deal five if it's during your main phase. Number two, impassioned order. That's one and a white for the two two. And when a creature enters the battlefield under your control, you gain a life. It just makes it so your opponent can't race you. And as a two drop, you actively want to play. Yeah. And number three, Syndicate Messenger, that's three and a white for the two, three flyer with Afterlife one. Moving on to blue at number one, Chillbringer, <laughs> four and a blue for that three, three flyer. And when it ETBs, you lock a creature down for a turn. Number two, Arrester's Admonition, that's two and a blue for the instant return target creature to its owner's hand and has addendum draw card. And number three, we've got a sort of a tie here, Slimebind, one and a blue, target creature gets minus four, minus zero, an enchantment, and Skitter Eel, the three and a blue, three, three, adapt two. You know, you probably want one of each of those before you want two of the other, but both of those cards, I think, have separated themselves ahead of the rest of the pack for the blue commons. Yeah, Slimebind's another point for you. That card is better than I want it to be, and I'm I'm now more thinking of it as like a combat trick with upside because i do feel safe getting to like attack into stuff when i have that but i also just think it's really good when you've got evasive threats which blue decks are going to have moving on to black number one grotesque demise still there that's the two and a black instant exile target creature with power three or less 
Moving up to number two, big mover up here, Blade Juggler. This card is the single best thing you can do on turn three in this format, I think. That's not like rare or uncommon status. So four and a black for the three two and has spectacle of two and a black when ETBs, you draw a card and you lose a life. I actively am looking for ways to turn this on once I pick up a couple, but this card is really, really strong. Almost always a two for one. And you'll play as many of them as you can get. Yep, but you got to make sure you've got twos or, and or ways to turn on Spectacle. And number three, we've got a three-way tie here with cards that we really like, but we're not sure if we want multiples of. So Ill-Gotten Inheritance, that's the enchantment that drains your opponent for one, and then you can pay five and a black to drain them for four. We've also got Dead Rebels, that's the double raise dead. We've also got Carrion Imp, which is three and a black for a two-three with flying, and when it ETBs, you can exile a creature card from a graveyard, and if you do, you gain two life. So I think like we want all of these. I think that Ill-Gotten Inheritance and Dead Rebels are cards that I want at least one of, but I'm not sure where I want to take it, whereas Imp I'm like happy to have multiples of. But all these cards I think are are about on power level. Yep, and all in the four drop slot, unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately. Moving on to red, still skew the critics at number one, two in a red, deal three to any target, spectacle cost of a red. Scorch mark number two, one in a red instant, deal two to a creature. If it would die this turn, exile it instead. Very relevant against afterlife. Number three, burning tree vandal, two in a red for the two one with riot. And when it attacks, you get a rummage. So discard a card, draw a card. And green, we're still not solid on. Number one, I feel very confident, is Soraform Hybrid. That's one inner green for the 2-2, two, two, and it has Adapt 4 for four green green. We've tentatively got Open the Gates at number two. I think you're a little higher on this than I am. Single green for the sorcery. Search your library for any gate card or land card and put it into your hand. And number three, we're not sure. Rampaging Rentorn, I think, has a lead right now. This is four inner green for the 4-4 four, four with Riot. I could see Mammoth Spider being in the mix, but like neither green deck really wants that. You've still got Titanic Brawl holding on for dear life here in the top three commons. Um, I'm not convinced that that card is anything to write home about. Yeah, so Titanic Brawl is the fight spell. That's one in a green uh, target creature fights, target creature you don't control, and it costs a single green if you're the creature you're targeting on your side has a plus one plus one counter. I think my green would go hybrid Renhorn. Titanic Brawl or maybe hybrid Titanic Brawl Rendhorn, but I haven't played enough green to really know yet. I think Open the Gates is really important for the multicolor decks, and that feels like a thing that green can do. Maybe that's just like where I bias towards. I don't know. It also replaces a land drop. None of my multicolor decks have been green yet. I think maybe that's why I'm low on it. I've been like three, four, five colors, not base green. Oh, interesting. Moving on to the guild commons. So Azorius. We have number one, Law Mage's Binding. That's one white blue for the enchantment with Flash. Enchant creature can't attack or block, and its activated abilities can't be activated. Yeah, and these are just the commons in that guild, not necessarily guild-specific commons. And then two and three are Summary Judgment and Chillbringer, respectively. So I think worth noting that Azorius only has one gold card in his top commons there. Yeah. Simic, number one, Aramunculus by a mile. That's one green-blue for the two-three with flying, and it has Adapt one for two green-blue. Yeah, card has been strong. Soraform Hydrid at number two and Chillbringer at number three. So again, two non-gold cards rounding out Simic's top commons there. And Gruul... I'm a little unclear about the order. I feel like these are the three cards, but I don't know where they go. I've got Skewer the Critics at number one. That's two and a red for the sorcery. Deal three to any target with Spectacle for a single red. Number two, we've got Frenzied Erinx. Two red green for the three three with Trample and Riot and has the activated ability four red green gains plus three plus oh until end of turn. And Savage Smash number three, one red green sorcery. Target creature gets plus two plus two until end of turn and then it fights target creature you don't control. Yeah, I'm not sure about the order of those at all yet, but I feel very confident that those are the three best. Yes. 
And moving on to Rakdos, Skewer the Critics still holding down the number one slot there. And Grotesque Demise, the best black common at number two. And Get the Point at number three, three black red, destroy target creature, scry one. Yeah, I mean, Skewer the Critics and Grotesque Demise are killing most things in the format. And Get the Point, I think, suffers from the, the five drop problem that this format seems to have. And again, Rakdos, only one gold card in the top commons in the deck. Yeah. Orzov, which is, I think, both yours and my frontrunner for best guild in the format. Oh, yeah. By a fairly wide margin for me at this point. Number one, final payment. This card is absurd and has my vote for best common in the set. This is the white black destroy target creature at instant speed as has some additional cost text. That's just mostly upside. Pay five life or sack a creature. Yeah. <laughs> Grotestimize at number two. That's two black exile target creature power three or less. And then number three, Imperious Oligarch, a nod to there not being many good two drops and this being very synergistic with final payment. This is white black for the two one with Vigilance and Afterlife one. Yeah, an honorable mention to Grasping Thrall. That's three white black for the three three flyer. And when it ETBs, you drain two, gain two. Uh, All three of Orzov's common gold cards are insane. And I think that's one of the reasons, if not the reason, that Orzov is the best guild. Yeah, and its hybrid card at common is also good. Viscopa Vampire, the three one lifelink. Yeah, totally playable. And then you get the benefit of Black's commons being super deep. You get to play your blade jugglers and you have good two drops in Imperious Oligarch to turn on your blade jugglers or the one white mana for the one two death touch. Nobody wants to block that early. And then all of a sudden your blade jugglers are online and then you're so far ahead that your opponent just can't win. Yeah, I mean, so Orzov is getting value from all of its creatures with afterlife. And I think also because you're like, you've got black card draw from blade juggler from dead rebels and you might be playing a locket. So you get more card draw there. Like, you are going to be able to grind into the late game against any other decks as well. Yeah, so Orzov solidly at one for me. Do you want to take a stab at ranking the other four behind it? Uh, yeah, well, I wrote an article for Cardsphere that, uh, where I did just that. So what I've got currently is Orzov 1, Rakdos 2, Azorius 3, Gruul 4, and Simic number 5. I feel very confident about 1 and 5. feel less confident about what's in the middle, but that's where I'm at for now. I, I don't have strong feelings past Orzov being number one. I think if you put me on the spot, I would go Orzov one, Azorius two, because Azorius gets to splash the Orzov cards. And then yeah. like Rakdos and Gruul sort of tied and Simic in last. But I just, I, I think, you know, you can play whatever. And I think honestly, I just want to be in the gate deck if I'm not straight Orzov at the moment. Yeah, I mean, the power level is certainly there. All the gates matters on commons are very strong. Yes, very, very, very good. All right. That's what we know. That's that's all we know. Yeah, I think that's a ton of information packed into one episode. If you get nothing else out of this, I would try to try to bias yourself towards Orzov a little bit. I've either won or I've met Orzov decks in the finals and lost Orzov decks in the finals. Yeah, uh, that's good to know. I have not been in the finals i've been losing <laughs> round one of almost no. all of my drafts and just crawling back for the two one brutal you'll get there yeah it's gonna turn around i'll get there i know i'm gonna go draft right now i am as well uh we are firing up the ravnica allegiance treasure hunt yet again so get those submissions in if you've got suggestions for the ravnica allegiance treasure hunt we've made an executive decision to not tie this into our 15 hour stream maybe only going to be 12 hours this time around uh, for the the 10 to 15 people that have been turning in these achievements and really love it, we want to keep it going and we still want to see you at us on Twitter. So once we get that list compiled out, uh, shoot those achievements over our way when you get crossed out. And a little long-term goal here, maybe you could help us put some pressure on Magic Arena. I think they can put achievements in Magic Arena. And I think we should try to get the Lords of Limited achievements in Magic Arena and you should get some gems 
on Magic Arena for unlocking them. I think that would be pretty sweet. I agree. I think that's a great idea. I don't know how viable it is, but I think it's a great idea. Yeah. So thank you, as always, to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give that a listen. Come check us out on Twitch and Twitter. I am at twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware. Ben is at twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome. We're both under those same handles on Twitter. And if you want to get in touch with the podcast on Twitter, you can tweet at us at Lords of Limited. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Check out some additional content from us. I've got my Cardsphere article on my reasoning for ranking the five guilds the way I do. And me, Ben, and Ryan did a sweet pack one, pick one article for Star City Games on last wednesday that went out so definitely want to check that out got all the lords limited content out there for you thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you next week for another episode thanks everybody see you later I really want to play the first copy in my black decks and I would like to have access to more in the sideboard. What does it do? What does it do? It just, you know, you can stall the board out and no, you, it is what you read the oh. text of the card. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>